came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. We came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. You already know what I'm you. So I got I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what the song say. I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what the song say. I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome. Thank you once again uh, for joining us. I'm your host, Brandon Mosley of the Be Real Podcast. Thank you for uh, tuning in once again. Real quick, make sure you stop where you're at and give me a five-star review and write one as well. Thank you, thank you. Uh, with that being said, hopefully you enjoyed the last episode, the uh, Christmas special. If you haven't listened to that one yet, make sure you do. You're going to definitely get in the Christmas spirit after hearing that one. Um, send any questions or emails or if you want to send a voicemail through Anchor, do so. I want to hear your top 10 uh, Christmas films. That would be great to hear. But with that being said, we have an amazing episode uh, concerning college sports and the dilemma they're in today. And that dilemma is COVID-19 and social unrest and being so unsure with the future. And with that, that being said, there's a need for and a need for transparency. So many college students last spring were sent home unsure of what life will be. And imagine a college athlete on a scholarship not knowing if they're going to play sports, how safe it will be, and what their options will be. And fall was the same thing. But before fall, there was a seismic shift in society, George Floyd. So, so much happening in a young college student life. Imagine adding the pressure of being an athlete on scholarship. Um, But here's the deal. We're doing so much to keep our college students I would say safe, hopefully, by counseling school, um, in-person classes, and going hybrid or online, that that's not really the same case for college athletes. Right now, there are 6,629 cases as of two days ago from the Times, New York Times. And the crazy thing is, there's much more. There's only That's only out of 78 of the 130 top colleges, D1 colleges for for uh, football. So that means most of them are either not reporting or limited data. So with that being said, they're putting themselves in harm's way and it's seemingly not giving the choice to do so. And some may say this is what they're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, they're college students. So I want to listen into what Coach K from Dukes thinks. We made an assessment, or I'm not sure who leads college basketball. You know, uh, it's done by committee. You have oversight committee. You have this committee, and uh, anything that's led by committee uh, is not agile in in handling a situation. And uh, so we made an assessment that, and there was a consensus. It, w- it wasn't like well-planned that we we're going to start November 25th. And uh, that was made without knowing if there's going to be where the vaccine was, how many cases, you know, and basically it was more of a mentality of get as many games in as possible. And I would just like for, just for the safety, the mental health and the physical health of our players and staff for their, like to assess where we're at, you know, in our, our country today, there's, you have 2000 deaths a day, you know, you have 200,000 cases, a million and a half last week. You have people saying that the next six weeks are going to be, the worst 
To me, it's already pretty bad. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Coach K from Duke. He said he doesn't know who actually leads college basketball. Hmm. That there's too many committees. There's seemingly a lack of focus on student safety and mental health. So with that being said, we have an amazing guest by the name of Elijah Wade. Elijah's a third-year public affair major at UCLA and also a general representative in student government. On top of that, he was a former UCLA football starter. He was a four-star recruit, the number five um, recruiter in the state of Nevada. So he was one of the best at his position coming out of high school. Um, With that being said, after retiring from playing football, he became an advocate and started working with our governor, Governor Newsom, and also with Senator Cory Booker, uh, creating framework around student athletes' uh, Bill of Rights and also framework around COVID-19 and safety for student athletes. He also helped organize the UCLA football uh, players demanding protection for COVID-19 and overall a, a very intelligent young man. And he has a lot of great things to add. And with that being said, enjoy. Perfect time. We have an amazing guest here. Um, Elijah Wade from UCLA, uh, but let's get straight to it. The very first question I have for you, sir, is how did your injury affect you in terms of your outlook on college sports and your life in general? Yeah, thank you for having me on this platform. Um, when I was injured in my second year, my second season, which ended up being an injury that um, made ended essentially my career and led me to medically retiring from college football. Um, when you're in the, the daily life of an athlete is really your schedule's packed. You have from when you wake up at 5.30 a.m. to get into the facility at 6, um, having practice till about 11.30, 12, and then going from directly from a practice um, to a class and then having all of your academic stuff between the hours of 12 to 5, going back to the building from 5.30 till about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, um, you don't have a lot of time to really um, digest some of the things that you experience on a daily on a daily basis um, in the football environment and within the building facility that you're in, or really digest what role you play um, in the bigger structure of college athletics um, at your specific institution or just as a whole. Um, I think so when I got injured, um, and I began to analyze some of the things that I was experiencing um, at the hands of the college, the coaches, and the other people um, who were tasked with really keeping players safe um, and running the program. Um, it became really clear to me um, that what role athletes play um, in college athletics and that we're really at the bottom of a totem pole of, of money, power, and influence where um, you can walk around a school such as UCLA and see um, athletes in any given season um, at the type at the top of every lamppost. Um, but when it comes to those same athletes being um, held just as high as they are on the campus, it's it, it's not seen. Some of these athletes um, go through incredible um, difficulties in their personal life just trying to get to a university such as UCLA, and then they get there. And some of the things that they bring to the university and a lot of the things that they experience while they are at the university um, isn't addressed by the people who are supposed to be um, in place to keep them safe and really at their best on and off the field. Um, So when I got injured, I was able to really take a lot of this in and understand it for what it is um, and analyze it in a way that I don't think that you're really able to do when you're so focused on your sport every day. Um, your focus on school and even the things you're trying to deal with in your personal life. Um, when you're injured, you just have a lot more time to really analyze some of these things. And I began to really 
understood what role um, this sport was beginning um, to play in my life at a um, stage in my life where so much growth um, is happening. And I was realizing very quickly that um, I wasn't growing in a direction that I felt was positive um, due to some of the things that I was experiencing um, as a college athlete and that I feel like a lot of college athletes experience around the country. Yeah, I mean, those are some really great points. And I know I was reading some articles that, that they had about you. And one of the quotes talked about how you felt the injury was mishandled. Um, how, how was that your energy mishandled and what could athletes in, in the actual program at UCLA learn from your experience? Yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot mishandled and a lot I had to experience um, and deal with after getting injured. Um, so I had a, a nerve injury, um, I had sustained a, um, a hit to my head in a practice, which ended up resulting into some difficulties I had dealt with. Um, throughout the week, went into a game, um, dealing with it, and then it got worse during the game versus Washington State, which ended up being my last college football game I participated in. Um, And from there, I think um, when you're playing college athletics and um, the people who are in place to look after you or um, are supposed to be in charge of um, ensuring that your well-being is put first, they're they're extremely tied to um, the wins and loss column. Um, if the team doctor um, is dealing with a player who the team de- feels is um, a key part of them potentially winning, um, and they have to report to a coach on a daily basis, or they have to stand in front of a coach and um, give their reasoning for why they are or are not going to do certain things, I think that um, they can begin. Their judgment begins to be clouded. And it it turns from being what is best for the athlete, what is best for this person that is in front of me, um, to becoming what is best for the team. And I think that when you're dealing with any type of medical um, medical situations with the athlete, with with a person, um, I don't think that anything should be taken. Um, not, the only things that should be taken seriously or should be taken into account when deciding what direction you're going to go in, go in when trying to serve um, this person the best as a medical professional should be um, solely what is best for the player. And I think that when the line between what is best for the what is best for the person, what is best for the player, begins to get blurred with what is best for the team, um, it puts doctors and other people who are in charge of ensuring the well-being of the students. Um, it, it puts them in a position where things are not done the way that I think they should. And I think that that was the case. I know that that was the case um, with me, with medical professionals um, and people not making the best decisions um, when, it came, when it came to protecting my health and well-being um, in that environment. Wow. Um, is there anything particular that the program can learn outside of, uh, of course, making sure the doctors are treating you as a patient? But overall, is there anything you think that maybe the program or college sports could learn from that? Yeah, I think what athletes could learn from it is I think we're given a false sense of security during the recruiting process and um, where, you know, coaches try to um, make it seem as if, you know, this is a family, you know, this is a family thing, a family thing. You hear it a lot when you're getting recruited. You hear a lot when you join a team. But um, when you get injured, you find out really quickly that um, this family isn't too much of a family and it's, um, it, it's really a business, and, and that's the bottom line. And I think that in the past, it's been taboo for athletes to really view it as a business, one, because we're not able to get paid. Um, meanwhile, everybody else is. And what that does is it creates an environment where um, if everybody above you, your boss, which you can consider your coach, and everybody else in the program can, can be considered your boss, if everybody else is looking at this as a business um, and you're not, you're behind. Because when it comes time for when when you end up injured and now they're having to make decisions on, oh, well, this is a scholarship number. We only get X amount of scholarships every year. Um, if we get rid of him, we could do this X and X with this scholarship. If he stays injured, this is what happens with this scholarship. It quickly turns into a business. And you know what they say, shit rolls downhill. Um, and as an athlete um, with only so many resources available to you, um, and not enough information being given given to you on um, 
what rights you do and don't have. Athletes have to be their own advocates um, and understand that this is a business um, and nobody's above being put in situations where um, everything that they work for could be on the line based on what somebody else potentially has to gain that isn't in your best interest, regardless of what was said to you during the recruiting process, regardless of even what's said to you um, while you're there. Understand that it's a business and you have to operate as such and um, you have to be the person to take your health um, serious. Don't rely on a doctor to give you the best information. Do your own research. Um, be willing to ask hard questions um, and just be be willing and courageous to stand up for yourself, even when um, the people who um, we can be naive to believe are going to do that job, um, relying too much on them and allowing them to um, lead us in directions where it may not be best for you. So be your own advocate and stand up for yourself. Man, that's some good stuff. I, I mean, for a high school teacher myself, I have a lot of former students who are D1 athletes and they went through the recruitment process. And I always would tell them, because I had a friend who actually played for UCLA back in the day. And he said, it's a lot of the same stuff you said. It's it's a business and you had to look out for yourself, unfortunately. Um, with that being said, I know that kind of led you to where you're at today. And uh, before we get into your platform and some of the things you, you're doing, I just want to ask you, why did you end up running for a seat in, with the USAC? Yeah, so um, with everything that I had experienced within the athletic department for, wow, really, since from really honestly, from when I first enrolled into the university, the June after graduating, um, it all led me to um, conversing with student, a lot of student athletes, and seeing that some of the things that I had experienced. Um, had been going on around the campus in various different sports. And then from there, when I um, did begin to separate myself from the team, um, when things were put in place to where I was no longer with the team um, by the university and others, um, I began to communicate with students outside of the athletic um, realm. Because when, 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 the, when you have the schedule that you have where um, you're pretty much surrounded by athletes all the time, it's very easy to, um, I guess, get in positions where you, a lot of these things that athletes go through um, isn't understood by the other students on campus. So I began to really converse with other students who um, had had not been aware of what it is really like to be a student athlete. Um, and then through some of those conversations, I've seen some overlaps in some of the issues that I was having with athletics, with the lack of transparency. Um, the problems with um, people who are supposed to be in place to advocate and ensure that students are receiving the best treatment, not doing their jobs. I begin to see that overlap in various different areas on campus. And through those conversations, I um, I seen an opportunity to run for office and I looked through all the positions. I'm like, hey, general representative seems like um, the best place for me. It'll give me the ability to um, advocate and fight for students on this campus in various different areas on different topics and things that really interest me and what I'm passionate about and um, taking a lot of the things that I had learned um, from my own experience, speaking to other student athletes and speaking to other students on campus. Um, I felt that it was only right for me to um, run for USAC and um, take what I had been doing outside of USAC, which was um, fighting for student athletes through um, bringing up um, things that I felt were being swept under the rug and under the table with the department and really do that on a more broader um, spectrum for students all across the campus and really being able to bring um, the issues that athletes are facing um, to the broader campus. I think that's amazing, brother. Um, just for you to take a negative like that, something you've been working towards your whole life and turn it into something uh, that's working for the greater good. So I just want to applaud you on that. Um, real quick, I, I was reading, like I said, I read a couple articles and, and one of them you, you speak about you're working to reform a culture that strips athletes of their own worth. Can you elaborate on the idea of the college athlete not being able to obtain that worth, their self-worth that they deserve? Yeah, when on sign National Signing Day, that's that's where it happens. It's a day where um, everybody's applauding um, something that is a big accomplishment, which is um, you being recognized as being um, a player that has the ability to earn a scholarship, go to college and continue to play a sport. Yeah. You're at the same time 
signing away your name, image, and likeness for people that aren't familiar. Um, when you go to, when you do sign your um, NLI, um, you are signing over the name, image, and likeness, which pretty much gives you the ability to make money off of your name, your image, and your likeness, which is um, how other people view you. So if I, as in um, what they consider a student athlete at a university, um, was approached by a company that said, hey, um, we know you play football for UCLA. We believe that um, a partnership with us could um, increase our sales or it was just something we want to do with you because of um, how people see you in the community, whatever work you're doing, whatever it may be. We want to make a deal with you where we give you money um, to promote our product. It's something we're seeing a lot today with the monetization of social media, podcasts, so on and so forth. Um, having a YouTube where people have ads and they make money from it, having a podcast where companies partnership with you, all of these things athletes are not able to partake in. If if the job or the offer has anything to do with Elijah Wade, the football player, Elijah Wade, the student that goes to UCLA, anything to do with what I do on the field or what I do at UCLA, um, those opportunities are not available to me. If I do um, take up some of these offers, then every school has a compliance office where um, you can be suspended for the year. But what usually ends up happening is um, athletes are no longer able to compete in college athletics and in a sport like football, where you have to be out of school for three years before you're able to um, enter the NFL, which so many athletes, that's their dream, um, being eliminated um, from being able to participate in college athletics when you have to be there for three years due to receiving money um, just from being who you are, um, the same as other people are currently doing, um, that essentially takes the dream of going to any professional league away when the building block or one of the primary steps to getting to the NFL is college football. And what's crazy is, like I said, I have a friend who played for UCLA and he went to one of the games, and this is years later after he stopped playing for UCLA and he was done playing. Um, the ticket had his likeness on it. Um, I think it was maybe the catch he caught over uh, USC, a one-handed in the touchdown catch in the corner. And it, it's insane to think about that, that consistently still can use your likeness and image years after you're done and you can't profit out of, off of it. Yeah, it's pretty it, it's pretty crazy. You watch um leading up to a game, all of the promotions, all of the ads and commercials um where a TV network is making um millions of dollars selling ads. Um a company's getting revenue from you wearing their brand on the field where you can only wear that specific brand. Um everybody's making money. A coach is getting money for ensuring that you're wearing this product. Um, the department is getting money. The school's getting money um, to outfit the rest of the school in this specific brand. Um, but you are just a person putting on the clothes. You don't really have any say in what you are putting on. It's, you know, if we're with Under Armour, you're wearing all Under Armour. If we're with Jordan, you're wearing all Jordan. And this is a deal that we're making. We're not including you in any of the um, in any of the disbursement of money, you're not going to receive any money for wearing this, but you know, we're going to promote it, um, use you for marketing, but not allow you to make any money from any of these things. And we're using you to create all of this revenue because it's your work on the field. Um, it's your work in any marketing where we're taking pictures that is creating um, this value in this product, which is the reason why companies want to partner with college. Yeah, and give you a nice little sweatsuit and call it a day. <laughs> a nice sweatsuit so you can walk around and show everybody how nice our clothes is and in hopes that they go buy it, making us exactly. more money. Um, so, and you also talked about in one of the articles that the you want to work towards holding staff members accountable for walking on students' rights. What, what rights do you think uh, that these staff members are walking on? Oh, wow. There's so many. It can vary athlete to athlete, sport to sport on any given situation. Just some of the things that I've, I've, I've seen and experienced myself. I mean, HIPAA rights, um, private, a lot of privacy rights where a lot of information is being shared um, across different departments and across different people where um, 
some of the protections that other students and other people have on the campus. It isn't being respected in this um, area because of um, some of the reasoning that they can give for doing what they're doing, even if it isn't to benefit the students. So um, if, if, if information is being shared across the campus about ways in which they could potentially remove you from a scholarship or um, how they can use something that you're dealing with medically to remove you from a scholarship, um, that not only is in some of these cases um, not taking some of the HIPAA laws into um, I guess, in a consideration when doing some of these things, they're also violating some of these laws and regulations to further um, to further put the athlete in a negative situation. Um, they're not allowing you to speak up about things that um, you value in a lot of these situations. It's, hey, somebody wants to speak to you. Let us know who wants to speak to you, and then we'll decide whether you want to speak to them or not. Um, hey, you want to do this? Well, we're not going to allow you to do that. You're pretty much in a situation where um, everybody who isn't an athlete has more a more powerful and more important say in your life than you do. Um, how you feel, um, what do you think you should or shouldn't be doing becomes secondary to everybody who isn't what they consider a student athlete in their opinions on what is or isn't best for you. Your personal life. Um, your football life, whether that's, hey, I don't think you should have a girlfriend. Do you have a girlfriend? Get rid of her. Um, I don't think you should take this class. Take this class. Um, I don't think you should take this major. Take this major. I don't think you should be doing this. Everything ends up being controlled by people. Everyone who is an athlete, which ends up being above you. And that puts you in a position where they are um, controlling what pretty much every aspect of your life. Um, and at that point, they're they're able to walk on every right that um, every right that you have when they're creating the picture of what your life looks like. I mean, the thing about college is all about finding yourself and freedom and your first time away from home. It seems like it's a whole lot of control happening once you sign that dotted line to become a student athlete. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of control. And I think um, just me just thinking about it and understanding it. Um, from my firsthand experience, I think that's the reason why there's a lot of issues with um, athletes going from playing college football to the NFL. Um, three years of somebody having all of the control over your life and you essentially putting your life on autopilot if it isn't football um, and then giving millions of dollars um, and having to finally make even some of the smallest decisions for yourself, like where am I going to eat today um, and having a whole many options when you're giving millions of dollars and then not being able to really um, having to learn with more um, room for error than people who are um, at the same age have when you're giving millions of dollars. And for three, four, five, six years for some athletes, you were in a position where you didn't, you weren't able to make um, some of the smallest decisions that allow us to grow at the age that we're at. Like you, like you said, you're just leaving college. You're 18, 19, 20 years old. This is the time where you're able to step out on your own and grow. But for a lot of athletes, they're just um, put in a more controlled environment that doesn't allow that growth to happen at the same time as everyone else. Oh, wow. Yeah. I yeah. Thinking about it, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. You get out maybe four years out, you're 21 maybe and you get all this money and now you have the whole world looking at you and you haven't been able to mature into the man that you really should have been because your whole life has been controlled for three or four years. Wow. So speaking about, I know one of your, one of your big things was the COVID issue and how um, the school was handling, especially for athletes and what do you think or, or why do you think student athletes are being treated different than the average student in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic? Because we see all these schools being shut down, but like football still going on. So what's the disconnect and why is that happening? I think they're being treated as average students because they're, they're not average students. There are on the campus, there aren't any other students who are told that they have a time window where they have to take classes, um, that they're, they're, they're told they're student athletes and the student portion comes before the athlete part, yet 
your school schedule and everything related to school is completely dependent on what's happening on the field. And at the same time, everyone who has a job in relation to the athlete portion um, doesn't have a job unless you compete. So with that being the case, people have to protect their job and their work. If all of the other students are being able to make decisions on, hey, are, do I want to go back to school or not? You know, does it, is it safe for me or not? Is it safe for me and my family? They're allowed to make some of those decisions with those, with those being the only things in mind. Um, for a student athlete, it's, well, how, do my, how does my coach feel about it? Um, what happens if I do stay home? Um, and all of these other things where now they, they don't really have too much of a choice because now a coach is being able to say, hey, well, this is what happens if you stay home. Um, at the beginning, they weren't even really given the option um, to stay home. That was something that had to be fought for, um, even just the right to even choose. And even then... Um, being put in a position where you have a deadline to choose when you're going to leave or you're going to stay. And I think that overall, with so much money being um, in play here for people at every position, because, again, these people, an athletic director, an associate athletic director, none of these people who are tied to athletics has a job if athletics doesn't exist. Um, so with that being the case, um, they're, they're protecting their bottom line, which is revenue. Yeah, man. To think about it, is there even really a choice because at the end of the day if you make the decision to stay home what what's going next season look like for you right especially if you're thinking about i want to make it to the nfl or i want to make the nba and if i take this season off because of covid what's the ramifications right 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 yeah the truth ends up becoming there really isn't a choice and i think that that's what we've been seeing play out today where even if a student athlete does feel like the best decision is for them to stay home. They're having to deal with all these different variables and reasons not to make that decision that puts them in a position where they're not able to freely make that decision the same way everyone else is. And at the start of all this, that was one of the things that I was really fighting for, um, to put the athletes in the best position to make a decision that was free from um, the fear of retribution or what happens if I make a decision that is best for me. And I feel like that is a, that that is the bottom line of a lot of the positions that student athletes are being put in, um, that um, students are being put in, which is, is this best for me? But how will me making a decision that is best for me impact what happens after I make this decision? Will there be retribution? What happens next? Yeah. I mean, looking at it now, you, you've probably noticed COVID is affecting every sport, um, professional and on the collegiate level. You've had games canceled um, in every conference, um, also in the NFL as well. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think is the best protocol to keep these student athletes safe? Yeah, I don't want to try to get too much into the technicalities of it because I'm not a epidemiologist, so I don't really know some of the, um, the, the finite details of what needs to be done to keep them safe. But I think um, some of the things that I've been advocating for is putting the athletes in the best position um, to make decisions for themselves that allows them to make the best decisions for themselves without the fear of anybody else interfering with that decision. Um, So including third-party oversight, um, not only during the times of COVID, but um, as a a regular um, addition to the athletic department where doctors are then able um, to relax because they know that there's someone above them that is ensuring that they're making the best decision um, so that a coach isn't interfering with their decisions, um, but also to allow a student athlete to know that, hey, there's somebody that has your back um, that isn't directly being paid or that isn't that their work isn't being tied to a win, win or loss that may affect um, how they view what is best for you. So I think really just giving athletes a true choice in deciding whether they stay or return, but also evaluating and giving them a clear picture of what it looks like when you do decide to stay. Um, I think those are important aspects in keeping student athletes safe and and letting them know the dangers of staying um, and not downplaying any of any of the real risks that are associated with playing that even us as, I guess, regular people who aren't having to go out there, run and, 
um, challenge our heart rates on um, a, a football field or where germs, bacteria, and all of those things are really just um, that that's regular. You're playing football. You're dealing with sweat, spit, blood. You're, you're dealing with everything when you're playing a sport um, that people who are just walking around every day, going to a grocery store, going to a restaurant, aren't having to deal with. So it adds, I guess, a different variable, um, some different dangers to this pandemic and what everybody else is having to deal with right now. Yeah, we're, we're being told to be six feet apart and football is a contact sport. So, yeah, you're going you're going to bust that bubble real quick. So I I have another question concerning the covid idea. What would you say to fans um, who will say like these student athletes are being paid through scholarships? So they need to play no matter what. And if not, they don't need that scholarship. Take it away. Like, what would you say to that fan? I would say. Um, you really don't understand um, the half of what student athletes are really going through at these universities. A student athlete who receives a scholarship, well, they call him a student athlete. You're not even able to pick a class without having the pressure of how does this affect football or how does football affect these classes? Um, you're not able to, when, when you have a, when you wake up at 5.30 a.m. and from six o'clock to 12 o'clock, um, you're in a football facility and then you're going to a class that starts at 1210. How much are you really able to learn and how much are you able to take away from this experience of being um, a college student? How, how, how much is the student portion um, in your ability to compete in the classroom? How much is that being amplified or how much is that being pushed while you're at these schools? And how much are you able to experience while being a student? And I think the student portion um, ends up being really in the background of everything else that you have to deal with being being an athlete at a university. And, and a student athlete isn't able to take away as much from a scholarship that other students are able to. Other students are able to um, compete in other different things um, on campus, whether that's for different internships, different jobs, different research programs, all of these things that make um, the college experience um, valuable after you graduate. Athletes aren't able to p partake in. So what happens a lot of the time is an athlete goes through four years of college, gets gets their degree, and then ends up in a position where it's like, well, I have this piece of paper. Now what do I do with it? Because everybody else was attending internships, um, dating with people, dating with people to figure out what are they going to do after they leave college while these athletes were being put in um Positions where they're told their only focus should be football and even expressing interest in things outside of the sport, which is the reason why you're at college. You're here to learn, even expressing a significant amount of interest in things outside of sports. You'll you'll be told that you don't care enough. Let's think about let's go back to Miles Garrett in the year that he was drafted. If you remember, he was widely considered the best player in the draft. But one of the things that they knocked him on, you can go back and look at this, was that he was interested and I think archaeology it was, or, or dinosaurs, and that was a knock against him. Him being interested in something that wasn't the sport, him being interested in school and enjoying the time that he had in the classroom was a knock against him. So how much are athletes even really able to experience while being students at the university? Wow. I mean, that's a really amazing point. I think that's that does sometimes seem like a knock because you, you hear people talk about, well, they're not focused enough if they're doing... X, Y, Z, but just being a regular student, that's what it, what it comes with, going out and trying to learn and, and figure new things out. And if you don't make it to the NFL, what the vast majority won't, if you don't have internships, you don't have those relationships outside of the football program, it's kind of tough to, to build a life. Yeah, you just end up being another person with a piece of paper um, and not knowing what to do with it. So how, how valuable is it at that point? Wow. So... On the activism side, and it seems like you're 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 stepping into a role of of, of being a voice for for people your age and on campus, and I think that's amazing. And you're using your platform. Do you think all athletes with a major platform should be socially active or socially aware? I mean, I would definitely want to recognize that all student athletes don't 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 share my opinion on some of these things and they agree with some of the ways that a lot of these things are being done even though 
It disproportionately affects black student athletes who make up the primary population of basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, and men's football teams. Even though they're the ones primarily affected, everyone doesn't feel the way that I feel. So I wouldn't say that every athlete who has a platform should be socially active, but I would say that student athletes who recognize the wrongs that they go through on a daily basis want things to be better for themselves, but also the generations that are going to have to go through this system after them. If they want these things to change, then I think being socially active, using the platforms that you have, is a tool to create those changes that those people would like to see. I think that when we continue to allow analysts who have never played the sport, people who have been able to reap the benefits of this system, we allow those people to continue to control the narrative and don't um, take control using some of the platforms and social media and all of these things to, to take back the narrative and share the truth. I'm not the first athlete to go through what I went through and I'm, I'm definitely not the last, not at UCLA and not in the nation. Yet, um, we're continue talking about it. Not much has changed over time. Not not any substantial changes to where athletes are being compensated for their work and their time and the things that they have to deal with. So I think that if people are of the way of thinking that things need to change and they would like to play a role in seeing that change, I think that owning their platforms and becoming socially active and aware is the way to do that. I think that's really key. You said a few great things. And one of them is that if this if this isn't your passion or feeling, then you shouldn't become a social uh, activist because that's not in your heart and uh, it, it can do more damage than good. Um, and I think in America, we've we've been really trying to force people in that light that don't really want to be there. And I think it's, it's, it's done some damage, but but I'm, I'm happy to hear that you, you have an understanding that, you know, if this if you are aware of what's going on and you have a feeling that things need to change, then yeah, use that platform. Like a LeBron James. I mean, he his whole career, he wasn't socially active, but when he started to see things and things started to happen to him, he decided to like, this is something I want to do and I want to be a part of it. And, and he, he went out and learned and, and did what he could. And especially with the last election. So I think that's amazing. Um, with that being said, I know the NCAA plays a very strong role in uh, what's happening to college athletes. Um, what do you think college athletes could do to have a stronger collective voice um, at their universities and within the NCAA? Um, I think some of the things that college athletes can do, and I think something that has been started since advocating for, for athletes on COVID and all the things that this year has brought us as far as awareness, I think is that athletes um, communicating more with each other across across their own campuses and across different sports. Um, at universities, usually um, some of the top programs, you'll see football programs, basketball programs, and all of the other programs being separated. Um, I guess there's a lot of reasons for why this this could be, but I think one of the consequences of this is that there isn't a there hasn't been a lot of um, communication across those different sports where one person from this sport feels like hey I'm being done wrong this way um, another person from this sport says hey I'm being done wrong this way and then there begins to be confusion on why this is um, and there could be situations where people are pointing fingers across different sports but the real the truth of the matter is that the athletes aren't the ones making any of these decisions they're just dealing with the results of decisions being made on their behalf so I think that building the relationship across your campus with people from various different sports, but also the general student body, forming the student body, you know, what do you, what do you go through? Um, and I guess having the courage to really speak about your experience and um, standing on it, you know, not shying away from the fact that, hey, I'm a student here at this school and I'm an athlete. And that doesn't make me um, less than anybody else in this classroom. I have my experience the same way that you all have yours and really owning your experience and um, being willing to share your experience to people who may not be familiar with it um, or may not see it from your perspective, just being willing to have those conversations. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, collaboration and coming together. Um, and the average student really don't understand what's happening for the college athlete. They think you guys are being pampered and everything is easily handed to, but I mean, clearly that's not the case. So, Lastly, there's been a lot of talk, and I was able to speak to someone about this uh, that actually went to HBCU. Um, do you think if black athletes started to leave the PWIs 
uh, for HBCUs, there will be a positive change in terms of holding the NCAA accountable, making them come to the table and, and make some of these changes or even these PWIs uh, to start creating change uh, in the program. Would, would that help at all in terms of the treatment for student athletes at these universities? I think it'll definitely help with treatment at these universities. I think one thing we all can observe is in any organization um, that that runs on money and needs money to run, um, anytime that bottom line, anytime the money is being affected, affected they have to act to, to, to stop whatever may be, be hurt in their pockets, essentially. And I think that if black athletes begin to leave PWIs, that would that would take a significant amount of their revenue away. If all of the top players who people were looking forward to seeing when they went to those colleges and watching the games, which then allows the NCAA to make money from um, media rights and jersey sales and all these things, if all of the people who was driving this revenue went away, it would, it would become a ghost town, essentially. When, when, when there was the, the gold rush and the city was built just to house the people who were collecting this gold and creating an economy based on gold. Once the gold went away, so did the town. I think that would be the same thing um, with the PWIs. Once the people who are producing the content that is creating this revenue, once 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 that content, once the people who are doing this work disappears, um, so will the system. And I, I think that if these people who are being paid in the system wanted to keep their jobs and wanted to keep their money. Um, I think they'd then have an incentive at that point to make changes. But at this point, when they don't have an incentive to create change, besides lessening um, what they're going to make in a year, there isn't really anything for them to to, want to do. If they're looking at it as, you know, we can continue to do things the way that it is and our bottom line isn't being affected, what's going to make them create a change? It's not going to be some moral moral change one day like hey you know what i i think they're humans let's let's start treating them as such it, i think waiting for that to happen is um i wouldn't advise you hold your breath on that so i think that something um as big as black athletes going to pwis would be something that i think would force the people in charge to make changes so that their bottom line isn't severely affected that's a great analogy man i think that's really important to realize that you as an athlete, actually hold a lot of power if you hold it collectively, and if you use that power and and hold them to be accountable, things could change. But I think it's always that carried over to your head that you know you want to make it to the NFL, you want to make it to the NBA. This is the place you have to go and just play it by our rules, and we'll get you there. Or if not, we're going to kick you out or make it difficult for you and float rumors about you and so forth and so on. Um, that's that that has to change and hopefully we'll see that change with with some of these athletes who are looking up to the athletes today who are doing uh, the work in the streets and and recognize uh, what the college athlete is going through when you see someone like we joke about LeVar Ball but he said a lot of important things about college athletes and the mistreatment when they go to those schools and that's part of the reason why his last son didn't end up at a, a university so with that being said, man, I, I really appreciate you just being here. Do you have anything you want to uh, leave off with saying or where can they follow you, the listeners, and, and maybe uh, catch up all the amazing things you're doing? Um, Yeah, I would say just for the people that is passionate about um, some of these things and really passionate about rights for, for people of color, rights for people all over this country and all over this world, don't, don't, don't continue to turn a blind eye to these things because you have a favorite college or a favorite team. Um, these are people from your communities, um, from your neighborhoods, having experiences that um, really a lot for a lot of people ends up becoming traumatic to the point where people don't um, explain their experiences at these universities. But these things are happening and there are stories for people to view um, to understand what is going on. So I would say don't turn a blind eye. Um, understand what role you play in allowing these things to continue. And if you're interested, uh, speak to people, look for ways in which you could be the change in your community, whether that's in not telling the kid um, who's six foot in the eighth grade, hey, you're going to be a basketball player and saying, hey, there are a lot of ways for you to do the things that you want to do. If if money is the reason why a lot of people from our community um, 
gets involved in these sports and go this route, go this route, maybe letting them know that there's more than one way, more than a few ways for people from our communities to get money and that we can do the things that we want to do in our community without having to sacrifice um, who we are as individuals and what we believe in to make it happen. Welcome to another Be Inspired Moment. And I want to use a quote from Muhammad Ali. It says this, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life as a champion. Life is hard. It's a struggle. Difficult times come and go, but perseverance continues on. Muhammad Ali understood that no matter how difficult life may be, get or how difficult training may be and how much you may hate it, that behind each moment, there was another greater moment coming. That you had to get through the difficult times, the things that you hate, the things that you don't admire to get to a place that you can enjoy. So you may not be enjoying 2020 right now and it's coming to an end soon, but I hope you understood every moment was a training moment for your championship in 2021 so with that being said keep fighting keep training hate it but love being a champion in my final thought we have to understand there's a lot happening in these college students lives and adding COVID on top of being in college on top of having social unrest on top of worrying about going back to school playing sports making sure if you can have a possibility or opportunity to become a professional athlete. So much stress. I believe the adults in their lives, the coaches, the staff, the professors should focus on the student, not just the athlete. Making sure you keep the students safe, not making sure we continue to have games to watch. It's very important for us to realize that Yes, we're in a difficult time, and yes, sports bring some form of peace and joy and unity to us. But at the same time, someone's sacrificing their lives to do this. So please understand, we need to support these young men. And with that being said, it's amazing to see so many young people using their voice, especially those with platforms like Elijah. It's amazing to see athletes use their platform and also take a chance like a Kaepernick, like a LeBron James and truly speak up for those who are disenfranchised. So with that being said, there's no bad days, only bad moments. You decide, decide to have a good one and don't let external issues stop you from having one. God bless. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah. We came a long way. That's what the song said. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. We came a long way.